Hello, FitFam friends. Welcome back uh, to another episode of Digital Coach. I'm your host, Ben Kamara, and this week I'm joined by health coach Hallam, Mr. Mark Hallam himself, who comes to us direct from Melbourne, Australia. Uh, Twelve days into fatherhood, I managed to grab him after what was actually a good night's sleep, he said. It's been great to see kind of how he's adapted. He's moved from London, where he built a successful PT business, to the other side of the world. And, you know, you'll see an insight into how he used online to kind of transition with that. You'll also see how he changed his business offering from doing individual online coaching to then a group offering and how he, man- he managed to save time and generate more income. He also speaks about the future and the future being around mental health and using virtual coaching to do that, which he says is going to be 100% online. So I hope you enjoy this. As always, click subscribe. I'd love to hear your feedback. And as always, embrace digital. Welcome to another episode of Digital Coach. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by not only a good friend, but also an awesome coach, Mark Hallam. How are you doing, Mark? Very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. First and foremost, congrats on the little one. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a... uh, Excited, what, what 10 12 days now so it's been a it's 12 it just, day old gets, daughter yeah i know it gets better every day and what were you going to say this is the first what i think this is the first podcast i've ever done oh there you go so you know you can archive this one um yeah. obviously we speak a lot anyway and the topic that kind of comes up during this podcast is obviously digital coaching and and what does the future of the fitness industry kind of look like but before we dive into that I guess for those listeners that are you know uh, new to the podcast you know tell us a bit more about kind of yourself and your background. Yes I kind of went through the the standard really standard personal training route Uh, I did my personal training course after I finished uni and then uh went to work in a sort of commercial gym uh which was horrible uh awful experience but it was i if i I wouldn't change that i did it because it sort of taught me a lot about the industry so they had they had 40 um freelance trainers there all paying like a grand a month yeah. Uh, and it was my first job. You're trying to pick up clients against people that have been in the industry for years, and it was sort of a bit dog eat dog. Like I said, a bit of a horrible experience. Glad I did it though, because uh, I think you learn quite a bit from those types of experiences. And then I went on to a uh, Nuffield Health, where I started to work more with clients, kind of just doing any doing anything you can really, because that's what you first yeah. do. I find when you start PT just kind of do whatever uh and then after about a year there I entered a physique competition because oh yeah yeah, I remember this yeah what did you get the body uh, fat down to do you know never measured it but I think much lower than you've ever got it (laughs) probably Uh, and yeah uh because I because th- when you're when you first go into the industry, that's all your mind's geared towards is just fat loss because that's really all you're ever. Mm. That that that's what the not what the court like the personal training course is aimed at, but that's kind of the route everyone gets pushed down unless they're going from some sort of strength and conditioning route. It's kind of like well, weight loss is going to be your 
bread and butter yeah. with people because that's what the vast majority of clients want. So that's kind of what you focus on most. So I did that for uh, and hated it, but got pretty good results. So uh, never did it again. But it taught me quite a lot about uh, nutrition and um, and then after I did that, I didn't. Re I actually I was actually quite close to leaving the industry. I wasn't that happy there because mm. i just didn't see where how things were progressing uh and then so i looked online for jobs around no, no actually what happened my uh my best mate who i was living with at the time came back home one day and he's like oh i went and tried this um class at a studio with his who's Ooh, now his wife yeah and it turned out to be number one fitness so applied got the job worked with you guys for four years and then uh met my wife in london who dragged me down to australia yeah so that, i so mean that about, that's the kind of now. i guess you know looking at the industry definitely back um you know six whatever years ago it was for sure had a huge amount of fat loss you know obviously clients yeah. still will come to most of the trainers as weight loss um because that's kind of all they know but definitely that period there was a lot of getting shredded and all that sort of stuff yeah um, but you know so you moved to australia how was that because you know i know that you've kind of been um constant online anyway but mm. you know how did that kind of i guess did that help you that you already had some sort of an online offering or were you literally so starting i don't yeah, so the move itself was obviously it was pretty tough. I was happy. I was, you know, I was happy at number one, happy where I was. So to just up and leave, you and, then re <laughs> and then re-establish yourself is quite a challenging thing to do. And I don't actually think I saw the benefit of being online until um, sort of the pandemic started, mm. uh, because I had already had things set up that people were then trying to rush to set up once they realized everything's going to be moving online. So I actually mm. saw the benefit of it a little bit later. Uh, well, within the, I've really seen it within yes. the last few months. Why do you think that is? Is it that clients what, what, suddenly open their eyes to what kind of, what they could get? I or think what I actually, yeah. And I, I think people think that the service that you're going to get online is, uh, not as optimal as the one that you're going to get face to face. And I think now people have started to see that that's not necessarily the case. Mm, yeah. Depending um, on obviously what they're looking to do. Cool. Yeah, so, and it's depend, de sorry, depending on the service you're providing, obviously if you're a strength coach, then mm. you're really going to struggle to provide the same sort of service online. If you're uh, focused on what we class as health coaching, then I really don't see any, detriment to being online as compared to face-to-face mm. -face. yeah i mean we'll get on to definitely health coaching so i mean what what have you offered clients you know during the pandemic um so put so what i've uh moved to now is i have a so what i i, I started out trying to sell one-to-one -one online had a few clients doing that and then realized that that's actually quite for uh the return that you get the roi is not great so you mm. uh you're putting a lot of time and effort into it 
and obviously you have to part of the part of what you look at is how much money you're making for the time that you're putting in yeah and so and you're talking about online was, coaching right you're talking about the traditional yes. method yeah yes i was finding that uh i was putting too much time into it for the money that i was getting for it and because of that i wasn't able to provide the clients with the same quality of service mainly because uh it was taking me too much time and then also i was feeling quite demotivated by it yeah so yeah. i've what i've personally switched to is i offer a it's like a group individualized program in the sense mm-hmm. that if you were to come to me and wanted training with me you'd obviously the individualized part would be your nutrition training and sort of movement assessment but then all the acts then i'd put you into a group with all my other clients and mm-hmm. all the access that you then get to me is on that group so i'm able to give more time throughout the week because i'm not focusing on one person at a time mm. or more, i'm not able to give more sorry each person more time yes whilst i myself am provo- I'm, uh, using less time and i find that it's actually people get a better service from that yeah so for example, i think it's I do, that herd mentality isn't it and then, then the tribe of people together um because a lot of yeah, them are going through the same things right Exactly. And I find they're actually really supportive of each other. And they, uh, so I get everyone to check in on a Sunday and then they report back on uh, certain things that I ask of. And then the, uh, the support that they all give each other is probably much more motivating for them than from me because yeah. they can probably relate to each other more than they can relate to me because I've not, I'm not someone that's ever struggled really to, uh, be consistent with sort of my training and nutrition whereas these people are and the fact yeah. that they're uh seeing each other do it was motivating for them and then uplifting when they get that motivation from each other and how are you packaging that is that a monthly thing or is that like a three month so i i ask for a minimum of three month commitment uh yeah. and then just on go ongoing from there okay cool because so I, I, don't, the- I don't like any Sorry, I don't like anything less than three months, just because, as you know, you're not really going to see any significant change in less than that. Yeah. So for those that are listening, what Mark's talking about with the online coaching element is that, you know, he started off like many of us do, where we're selling a monthly or a three month pack. And you'll, you know, you'll be sending those programs to an individual with the exercise and nutrition. And you just felt that there, it was just, it was taking too much time. I I feel the same thing. and, And it's not to be disrespectful to the clients it's that obviously when you're not seeing clients face to face they are a lot more needier because Mm. i've spoken about this is because they don't have that human interaction to ask the questions you know the questions that you might be doing in a pt session about oh what about this what about that you just answer them quickly off the bat and then because the client knows they're seeing you soon face to face i guess some of the questions stay what rather than you know having that open channel on on whatsapp or a facebook group it's just constant and when you break it down i broke it down with another trainer it was and it was you know less than minimum wage i think he was he was earning so now what yeah. you're doing is grouping them together how are you doing the assessment are you using uh, obviously we've spoken about remote coach many times but are you doing that face to face or you're asking them to record a video how's that done yes so i usually just ask them uh, to record so, so i send them demonstrations and videos and, and movements that i want them to perform and yep. then get them to video themselves and send that back to me. Um, the, the only reason I do it like that is because 
on most of my clients are based in a, a different time zone to me. So setting up times when we can actually both be on a call is a little bit more challenging. Um, yeah, but yeah. It, I have, I have done it as well over, uh, where, where you, where you're having a conversation like this and then you yeah. get them to do it, but it doesn't really make any difference. Yeah. So I guess perfect timing to speak about your newborn child, you know, when we're looking yeah. at then 18 years time, and we're talking about yep. driverless cars and we're talking about, you know, smart homes and, and you know, AI and all yep. these things that keep, you know, Ooh. however you look at it. What's the role of a personal trainer? You know, you obviously brand yourselves as, uh, or we both do, as, as more health coaches, I think, because the deeper you look yep. at the level, you know, physiology, et cetera, you realize that the overlying thing is let's just continue to, to provide health. But how do you see that health? practitioner when it comes to kind of what you're doing you know are we going to be still doing face-to-face are we going to be doing just online is it going to be a mix what's your kind of take on it I definitely think there's going to be a mix now in terms of moving online and the face-to-face I think what the message that I've got from my clients is they really miss that face-to-face interaction and I think that's what a lot of people love about training they like the fact that they're accountable to someone and then mm. they build a relationship with their trainer. I think, uh, you know, if you do a good job as a personal trainer, you really should get to the point where your clients don't need you. But what you mm. find with a lot of great trainers is that their clients, because they do such a good job with them, will always stay with them because they yeah. love that rapport that they build with them. So I definitely think what's, what, that's what people miss. But I now think it's almost a good, this has been a good thing because people realize that it's not just going to be that face-to-face interaction in the gym. They can go, okay, well, we can actually make this all, almost a 24-7 service. And wherever yeah. you are in the world, we can be helping you out. Yeah, no, um, it's interesting. So I, so I definitely think that's the way it's going. In terms of the AI, I've actually was reading a book about this today. I can't remember if it was Google or Apple are making a, a device that will say, uh, it's something like um, Siri, but way more advanced. And so, yeah. so you, tell, you, you tell Siri that you, your goal is weight loss. Uh, and then two nights later, you go, oh, Siri, order me a pizza. But Siri, because of all the algorithms and the messages it's seen you send, the emails, the conversation it's heard you have, knows what your personality type's like. And so we'll refuse to order the pizza for you because it knows you are trying to lose to weight. Lose weight. Yeah. Uh, so I, I th- I'm not sure. I, th- I think it was Google that are developing a system like this. But all of that sort of stuff's based off did, uh, numbers, algorithms and data, mm. which is obviously important. But I, I still personally don't think at the moment there's anything that can replace that personal level of coaching there's definitely stuff that can replace the numbers side of things but yeah a lot of coaching comes down to back and forth conversation conversation and i think people certainly not in our lifetime are going to be comfortable having that conversation with something other than a human being so i think there's always going to be that it's interesting uh, i mean counseling's just you know that the, there's there's some counseling going on in la where it's an ai um and uh, a really good book um is stealing fire talks about that there's no there's no um what's the word uh there's no kind of fear from going to speak to someone to something that you know doesn't have a conscience but 
on books. For those of you that are into reading, I've also just started Brett King's Augmented Life in the Smart Lane. So again, talking about kind of what we could see in the future. I too also believe that this is going to be man and machine when it comes to health and health coaching because of obviously the behavior change element. Now, um, you know, does the interaction face to face um, change when you're doing still live things or having that check in? Don't know. You know, obviously we've seen a huge spike in FaceTiming our, our relatives. I know from my end, you know, I haven't seen my parents for over three months, but having that ability to FaceTime them um, has been really obviously kind of, it's made it a lot easier. It's calmed that kind of emotional response that you might have had of really like missing them um, in my, in my kind of, uh, uh, you know, experience, but it's going to be interesting. I think what we're finding now is that clients all over the world are able to do Mark Hallam's program and not have to go to the studio that you work at. You know, that's the powerful thing that I think some of the coaches need to really kind of embrace, you know, that on a Monday they might do that workout with you, or it might be that you're managing their whole health. And then, you know, as part of that, you might be saying, look, you know, I also think you should be doing some endurance stuff. Here's another coach in Colorado that does endurance training, you know, do his program whilst I manage your health. I think that's the powerful thing that kind of we've seen through this pandemic, but what's the kind of status over there at the moment with studios opening? Uh, so we're due to open in three weeks. So the 22nd of June, we're reopening to what capacity? I'm not hundred percent sure. I think you can have 10 people in the studio, but, uh, and then spacing is obviously an issue as well. So they're going to, I think what we're going to do is just tape off, um, about, uh, what would it be? four square meters or something yeah uh, um because i think yes yeah, 1.5 square was the recommendation but i think we're going to be doing four because yeah. 1.5 square meters seems almost too too small yeah um, and we're lucky in this we've got the we've got the space to be able to do that uh group training because we had it where we'd have sometimes have 16 people in a class mm. i don't think that's not coming back for the foreseeable future yeah um, that's interesting but the one-to-one -one stuff i think will go back soonish um mm. but we just have to be vigilant on the cleaning side of things and what do you think you know have you been doing some online group stuff with the studio yes i've done a yeah so i've done some with the studio and i've done some for number one as well yeah and do you think some of the, those clients that were going to those classes of 16 would still continue doing it online? From the feedback that we've had, yeah, I think that would be the case. Um, yeah. But I then think some are eager to come back in because for a lot of people as well, the gyms are social. Uh, they yeah, that's they true. like the social aspect of it, which you're yeah. not getting when you're just doing uh, exercising in front of a computer screen. Yeah, and I think... Jim's coming back and all, you know, everyone has obviously their own um, things. Like you said, that social element that it kind of signifies the end of this problem, doesn't it? It's like, right, gyms are now yeah, open. Sure. Great. We're over this pandemic uh, here in the UK. I mean, I've sp spoken to quite a few um, people that, you know, work closely with the UK active, et cetera. And um, it's going to be very interesting, I think, for a good 12 months. 
um, you know, we here at number one aren't going to be doing, um, you know, groups whilst const, you know, whilst a lot a large amount of PTs are in the studio, it just won't be viable. Uh, I think. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be different, but I guess then looking at kind of, you know, your, your online offering and health coaching for trainers that are listening to this, apart from obviously exercise, what kind of other, other things could you, you know, could you recommend trainers start to focus on when they're coaching their clients and, you know, things that they could then do online? What, what do you kind of start off with? So I think the main thing for anyone obviously understanding training and the sort of the basic science behind training nutrition is important, but it's probably more important to understand how to actually get people to change their behavior because I mean, we've both seen it. Some of the most intelligent coaches are some of the worst coaches because they can't, it doesn't matter how much you know until you can actually influence someone to change. Um, And I think this is why online has been shown to be, just as effective because you can still have that impact on someone not face to face so finding a way or finding some way to um motivate people to uh change their behavior is one thing and what i've been looking at a lot more recently is tying is finding of when you start working with someone understanding what they actually value in life because people's people's values are dictate or their behaviors are dictated by what they value so a lot of people come to come to us and want to change and they hate training they hate eating a certain way but if you you can find what it is that they really do value in life so say you get an overweight mum who struggles with doesn't like going to the gym doesn't like eating well uh but loves looking after her family then finding a link between okay how does you how does you training and doing things and partaking those behaviors that you don't enjoy then impact the things that you do love and that's what i've found has been quite powerful for me recently finding that link between what people value most highly and then using that to influence behaviors that are going to make them healthier yeah so are you for, you know, for those trainers looking at it, are you kind of spending time on a consultation? Are you sending them a questionnaire? Um, what, you know, what could someone start off by, by doing? Yeah. Yeah. So I send them a, a few questionnaires. Let me get it up actually. There's uh, so the questionnaire that I start out with is uh, look, focusing on pain points. Yeah. Um, because I, I think pain's much more motivating for change than, um, focusing on simply how you want to feel, but yeah. focusing on what your pain points are is going to be a lot more motivating. So I have a questionnaire that I send out to people really based around what their current pain points are. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're, con- they're going to continue with the behaviors that they don't like that they're currently doing, how's that going to impact them in the future? Yeah. Looking at who else is negatively impacted if they don't change their behavior. Because if, if you find if you're accountable to other people, you tend to be more motivated to change. So again, yeah. using that same example, if you use a parent for their child, if their child's negatively impacted by their behavior, then they're more likely to change that behavior. Yeah. Uh, and then focusing on what not changing or what these behaviors have cost them in the past. So what to not being health as healthy as you possibly 
could be what has that cost you in the past and uh how could it then what or what could it cost you moving forward as well so that's that's sort of those types of questions are the ones that i focus on at the start and then what i i get people to use that as their focus and almost go back to it every single day because you'll find people are most motivated when they first come to you yeah. And if they could hold that motivation throughout, everyone would change. But the problem is that over time, people lose focus on what their intentions are because they don't remind themselves of it enough. Yeah. So I get people every day to go back and remind themselves of what the reasons they want to change. However, whether it's a background on their phone, to just give themselves that daily reminder about why they want to change. And then that you tend to find that that motivation stays a little bit higher. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting, because you said, obviously, motivation, but also the focus, you know, I think, I definitely really try to remove um, impulse, things like that, out of um, a client's, uh, definitely schedule, what I mean by that is, obviously, you know, structuring as much as possible, because once you have a structured process, you can obviously stay consistent. But that's interesting. Yeah, the focus does go um, it's been interesting because we found that some of the clients that come to the studio have got, a, and I say a lot better results, like way better results in this last three months than they have done in two and a half years going to a studio and, you know, speaking to them. Cause I was just fascinated a lot, a lot was like you mentioned the focus that they had, they were able to kind of go to their kitchen, set up everything and have their three meals from home rather than impulse of kind of walking around the city trying to find a healthy lunch when you know they they may snack or whatever it might be so definitely the focus you know for trainers that are looking to kind of get into online you need to keep your clients focused on that end goal and i guarantee you some of the people that have seen results that haven't seen it before is because their priorities have changed so people realize that shit i need to actually look after my health otherwise i'm at a greater risk here so that totally. goes, goes from low priority to high priority and whatever you prioritize is what you're going to put your focus on. So for yeah. a lot of those people, it will just be that shift in mindset as well as stuff like behavior and environment. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm starting off. I've looked at kind of pain points of my clients. What else are you looking at? I mean, I know you look at breathing and obviously we did the oxygen advantage, which was awesome. Highly recommend yeah. that. Um, what about, you know, you're looking at sleep, are you looking at activity? You know, yeah, how so I've got you go? five pillars of health that I focus on. So I have people follow five daily habits around movement, nutrition, breathing, sleep, and mindset. So I actually have people do a uh, point scoring system. So they they uh, they have nutrition protocols that they follow. They've got movement protocols that they follow. Same for breathing, sleep, and mindset. Uh, and if they follow those protocols that we 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 set those together at the start so that I'm not expecting them to live under my, what sort of my values and my expectations. Yeah. I want to, I want them to set their own, yeah. um, obviously with me helping guide that. And then we, uh, well, I get them every day to just tick off if they've followed their protocols. And that's, that's what that check-in is at the end of the week. They give me a score out of 35 because I get five for the day, 35 for the week and just give me that score. I'm not even looking for them to, it's not as if I'm looking for 35 out of 35. It's just to give them a reminder. Oh yeah, I need to do this today. Or, yeah. it, and it, it, high, it highlights trends as well, because say they might be getting um, 
28 outs and they might be hitting six or four things every single day, but one thing's lagging behind. So say their sleep isn't, they, they never get that point for the sleep. It then shows me, okay, well, we need to put a little bit more focus on this over the next couple of weeks. So that's yeah, why no. uh, those, yeah, I'll focus on those five pillars. People love uh, seeing data, right? So if you haven't yeah. got five pillars, you know, you don't need to have five pillars or if you might have seven, you know, I think maybe, maybe get it down to around about four or five is, is easier to kind of digest for clients. But, you know, again, you just starting somewhere guys um, and, you know, adding that in will, will highlight also, I think what you are good at coaching and what you generally are quite passionate about learning about. Because I know even myself as a trainer through the years, you find your way, but you do obviously after you find your way and you find things that you're experienced in and that you enjoy learning about, you continue learning about that. This is obviously gives you opportunity to, you know, maybe you, all of your clients don't sleep that well. And you start to need to maybe look at yourself and think about, God, I need to learn a bit more about kind of the importance of sleep, how I can communicate that, how I can educate the, the clients. But that's interesting. So do you ever get a client that gets 35 points every week? No, because life gets in the way. And what I say to them is it's not about you getting the perfect score. This, what we, uh, what I'm trying to teach them is to give them tools that they can use so that when life does get in the way, they don't go completely off track. They can go, okay, this happened. I know that I now need to do this tomorrow and I'm staying on track as opposed to going, this happened, my week's completely off. Um, so they, it's, no, I it's not, like I said, it's not like I'm expecting and looking yeah. for perfect scores. It's just for them to be conscious about those small daily habits that then add up to wins. Uh, mm. Because the second questionnaire, going back to a previous question, I get them to fill in one, three and six month goals. Um, but I also get them to do daily goals. So really what I'm looking at with the point scoring is they're saying, because you have a six month goal that can seem quite far away. And if you're say your goal is to, I don't know, let's take weight loss, lose 30 kilos in six months, you yep. lose one kilo. That's a win, but it doesn't seem like much of a win. Yeah. So if, if you can have these daily goals where you, you're giving yourself those wins, you reinforce that positivity that you are doing the right thing and know that you're moving in the right direction rather than simply looking at that, having and having your focus only on that very end goal yeah 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 like that i like that um and so okay let's talk business marketing you know you've put together this program you know and when you really dive into it you've put together you know check-in sheets questionnaires for you know consultations you've recorded videos that they need to follow for assessment so guys this isn't a case of just not having to put any work in you know, the good thing is that you can use your knowledge and create these things for hopefully next to nothing, unless you obviously want to get professional videos done. But, you know, what about then the marketing and the business side of things? You know, you, you're obviously putting content out there a lot. Um, do you have a content calendar? You know, how do you kind of go about your, let's call it social media presence? So I used to not plan at all. Now what I do is I just at the start of the week have topics that I want to talk about. So I get a lot of topics come from questions that I get asked and then makes it a lot easier, right? Makes. Yeah. So I kind of taken, if someone asks me a question, I'll just note that down and go, well, that could be 
that could be a good couple of topic or a couple of posts. Um, but most of my content would come from that. And then anything that I hear that I actually disagree with, I'll put content out, not, not bashing, uh, the, what the advice of her, sort of giving my perspective on it. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, just talking about what I'm passionate about. I mean, I'm kind of of the mindset that if it's what you love doing, you should always have something to say about it. Mm, um, yeah. And so, yeah, but I do, pl- I do now plan slightly. I'll look, uh, I'll, I'll plan at least five posts around training and then have two kind of personal ones. Cause people need to know who they're buying. They're buying from you. They, they want to know who you are as a person as well. But I, I, I do a little bit more of that in my stories. So like, I'll talk about like my family and my, uh, my other interests more in my stories and leave posts yeah. a little bit more for the uh, sort of educational content side of things. And do you, do you post every day? Yeah, I'd say, yeah, every day. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be consistent, hasn't it? And do you kind of feel yeah. now that you have your own little tribe of, you know, Hallam coaches. Yeah. <laughs> um, in, in the group, it's a really strong, strong uh, connection. My goal has never been to like work with millions of people. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'd, I'd much rather have a really strong influence on a smaller group of people. Um, so I don't think I'd want to get my, that group too big because I then yeah. couldn't provide the service, the quality of service that I want to provide. So yeah, I I'd rather have a much That's the powerful thing, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, if you're looking at the, um, I think it was Emma Barry who I had on the show mentioned that, you know, as, as a large gym, you need thousands and thousands of uh, clients. As a studio, you probably need a few hundred. As a, as a, just a fit pro, health coach, whatever you want to call yourself, you know, you just need that, that committed a smaller group that you you know you interact with and that want to work with you um i think yeah. that's where some of the trainers get a bit um disheartened as well you know they, they've come online they see maybe other fitness professionals that are online with hundreds of thousands of followers and think well how am i ever going to get to that but it's not about that you know you're going to be speaking to the people that you will be helping um and like you said yeah. you know if you're passionate about it get get the content out um, yeah, for sure. And, and the thing is with those people that I don't, I don't have hundreds of thousands of followers either, but you always hear that a lot of them say just cause they have those followers doesn't bring in any money. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean they're actually selling. And also they're not you people like people will in like connect with you as a person. Yes. So whether you, that doesn't matter how many followers you have or how many followers someone else has there'll be people that prefer working with you compared to someone that has 2 million followers. Yeah. Comes a bit more personal. So, okay. So I guess to kind of end the episode, um, what does the next two to three years look like for Hallam health coaching? Where's it going? Um, you know, the next phase. So it's funny. It's funny you say that actually, because I think I'm, I, so I got probably the, best email I've ever received off a client the other day and it made me sort of change what I uh my focus a little bit so I got an email from a client who said that she she just wanted to thank me because she when she started working with me she was on the verge of going into rehab and had suicidal thoughts almost every day 
and is now at a point where she's feeling better than ever. So she's got bipolar and she thought mm. bipolar would just ruin her life, but she now realizes that she can actually, it doesn't need to do that. And she's no yeah. longer, she has her down days, but she's no longer suicidal and says she feels physically better than ever. Um, and wow. I mean, I, I, yeah. And I think that's really, I think people lose sight of the fact that how much of an impact you can actually have on someone's life when you help. It's not about, Yes, helping people lose weight is great, but there's always a deeper meaning behind it. And that sort of stuff really reinforces why I think we both do what we do. Um, yeah, yeah. And so my, and that's kind of sort of the second or third testimonial I've had along those sorts of lines. So I'm actually thinking about moving more towards uh, marketing as using health and fitness to improve mental well-being. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I think that's the the area that I'd like to target because I know for me as well, I'm not, I can't say I'm someone that suffers from, uh, has ever had any problems with mental health, but I definitely, sort of, for example, when I moved to Australia, I definitely had my down days for sure. But I found when I, when I put my focus on exercising, eating well, making sure I'm doing the right things around my health, I feel a million times better. And part of that is helping other people as well. So I think that's what my focus is going to be. And I'm not looking to build it as big as I possibly can. I, having just had a daughter, I, my real goal is uh, to serve people, but to serve her more than anything. So yeah. I don't want work to take over my life. So I, I really just want to get to a point where I, um, I don't feel that my personal life and work life are interrupting each other. Yeah, um, yeah. Because they can, definitely as a trainer. Um, so yeah. of that business then though, you know, if you had to put a ballpark percentage number, how much of it's coming from a digital element? Of what my, my personal training income? Uh, no, so as in this new, you know, health coaching for mental uh, health or mental health awareness, you know, is yeah. that going to be... 100% face-to-face is it going to be 50% no, that, I, I, I'm looking at 100% online for that yeah yeah because my um my face-to-face stuff I'm not too sure what capacity I'm almost not relying on going back to face-to-face that much I'm sure it will come back but that's kind of just there for me if that makes yeah. sense and so my most of my energy is going to be going towards this uh the digital side of things for sure because I, it can reach you can just reach a much broader audience yeah amazing what a way to end it yeah cool all right mark well thank you so much um for your time really appreciate it and hopefully no i mean i know you. that already there's there's so many nuggets in there um for the guys listening that can take away so thanks again mate no worries speak soon